0: Welcome to From the Rooker podcast 2.3. As ever, we find ourselves in the railway arms. Uh, my name's John. With me, as ever, is Jason. Hello. And uh, filling in
1: for Mike, his brother, Andy. Greetings. Well, where is the big man? Well, some breaking news. He hasn't actually deserted Watford and joined the church. <laughs> so, uh, no, <laughs> <any laughs> i He's uh, got some family commitments, so he has gone down to Lyme Regis for a week's break. We are also joined by a journalist,
0: Watford fan and author of some fantastic Watford books, Lionel Burney. Good afternoon. Uh, we're gonna, He's going to be here for the podcast, uh, chatting over, uh, talking about his new book, uh, 100 Greatest Wins, uh, which will probably heavily feature in our Watford in 100 Objects feature, which are coming up. Talking to which, Jase, what else are we coming up on the podcast?
2: Well, we'll be extending our list of Watford in 100 Objects that include a former player's football shirts, shirts, a special pen and a certain clock. Our new left-back Carl Dickinson joins us to talk about his career and his love of being hard. And Carl is back with our other new hard man, Mark Yeats. Or is that, Yeats? <laughs> In a new show where they prove just how fearless they are. We're
0: going to record this over the next two games, Forest and Millwall, so plenty of football we watched and plenty to debate on From the Rookery End.
3: A podcast made by Watford fans, fans for Watford fans From the Rookery End.
0: Here we are outside Vickers Road, uh, just watched Watford beat Millwall 2-1, uh, John, Andy and Jason, Jason, we, we've watched two games of football in the last couple of days, we watched a loss against Forest, we watched the, the comeback win here against Millwall, how are you feeling at this very moment? <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, relieved I think is the main thing, I mean that for a while it's looked like it was going to be the same story as it was on, yeah. on Saturday. Yeah. We, this time instead sort of give them a goal we, I mean that was a pure fluke that one off cross doily, off doily shin yeah. looped over Gilmart nothing he could do in off the back post off. and then all of a sudden in a game that we looked quite comfortable in even though we weren't creating the chances we needed to all of a sudden we were seconds for every ball and it looked like it was going away from us all mm. of a sudden deflection from a, a corner that was cleared it's one attempt shot it someone's on backside I think Falling on Dickinson, and how beautifully did he control that finish? He did. You could tell it. was like, he,
0: he just probably does not get many chances like that to hit the ball there. <laughs> he did it. So he made sure he got his weight over the ball.
1: He could hit it hard enough. He kept it low, and he absolutely loved scoring that goal. Didn't card. he just? Didn't he just? It was great to see him score. Actually, if uh, he could have picked anyone, and I, I think he would probably have be been my man to be the, the score the equalising goal tonight. Yeah. He actually, sort of summed it up. And, Needed someone who's always shown a bit of uh, passion to sort of reignite us. I think mm. so. Uh, yeah, chuffed for
0: yeah. him. Yeah, and you know the good thing about that game was that we, you know, it was a comeback and they, they finished it off and they, they kept it going. They got the three points. But like you say, Jason, that quite easily could have been deja vu for the view for the second time, Th- for, the, for the third time <laughs> of losing a game at home one 0 due to a one off moment of fluke chance or lapsing yeah, concentration concentration. Yeah, we are very positive,
1: and we should be very positive about, about the win. But we weren't very positive on Saturday, were we? No, but I think Saturday, I think all round was an ugly game. I think you know, Forrest came five at the back, played, made it really, really hard for us. And you say we're always trying to be positive, and you know, we created chances against that sort of tough thing on but Saturday. We're finishing being, those chances? No, we weren't. But you know, again, it's a you know bit of. Um, movement in the team again, Wyman going out, Garner coming in, not perhaps being f- fully fit. But tonight, Garner, I thought, looked really good. I thought he looked sharp and I thought he was uh, one of our best players tonight. Yeah, he got amongst it tonight, I thought, and in and some glimpses of, um, of, of what, he could, what he could do, I think, tonight. And the difference tonight, I think we played a lot better than we did, actually did on Saturday. Although it looked like it was going to be the same result, I think we looked better. We I think looked, we, we, we look more positive and We played with, with more
0: purpose.
2: Yeah, I think. I think
0: actually, yeah. Jace, the best thing I think about this team on both games, which you couldn't really knock, is our back four.
2: I, yeah, they've, they've played well. Obviously, they, they made the mistake for uh, for the goal on Saturday, but and I I thought
0: we had a change in and the And we had a change game. in
2: the back yeah. four. And I, and I don't know if it was just my imagination, but we looked a bit more confident. and The, the defenders looked more confident giving the ball back to the keeper. Yes. I might have just been imagining it but there were It seems to, see to it. do it more often rather than try and turn and or clear it over their heads. They were happy to play it back to, to Gilmart. And he, let's be honest, he was a bit nervous at first. A couple of moments where his yeah. kicks went great, corner where he punched it down into the ground. Yes. But all in all I, I thought it was a good performance from him. Nothing he could do about the goal, I don't think no. it looped up too high for him to to get. Yeah, confident performance confident performance from him and I thought tonight Mary Apple was our best player on the pitch. He didn't yeah, put I, a I, foot I, wrong yeah. all night. I think the man of the
0: matches me both uh, yeah. matches.
1: Do you, uh, were you happy to see Gil Martin in goal? Absolutely. You, you kind of love him a little bit. I do you? a little bit. <laughs> you will hear how much I why I
0: love the man so much um, in future podcasts when we played the interview that we did with him a few weeks ago. Absolutely top bloke and really nice to see him, him, him get it. Do you think there's a thing though, Jason? You know, you, the, the, you, you can use all the confidence in, in the back four. Do
2: you think he'll start on Saturday away at, St, St, um, at Southampton? At Southampton. I think he deserves to start on Saturday. Whether he will do, it's up to Mister Dyche isn't it? But uh, I think he's earned a spot tonight, definitely. And what should happen now, he's had a decent game tonight, so it should give him the confidence Mm. so he won't start as nervous Mm. on Saturday. And it'll be a big test for him Saturday because it's uh, going to be a tough place to go. So, I've had a great start and we will be up against it. And he'll have a lot more to do because he'll have a great deal to do tonight. He'll have a lot more to do. Yes. on Saturday I'm sure we will I, I hate the fact I keep bringing back negatives here to make, I just
0: want to make sure that in this podcast we do talk about the thing that we talk, we, we discussed after the game on Saturday my big thing that where we had been before was it was about basically a bunch of moments where that was a nice idea that was a nice idea oh you can see what they're trying to do there but nothing was actually happening yeah. did you see more
1: of that today? I think we tried a lot more tonight than we did on Saturday I think it was a sort of samey on Saturday we sort of kept sort of trying the same thing and we just hit the battering round which was their back five or whatever they are playing. Tonight I think we tried a little bit more from the back as well. Gil Martin was rolling it out to, to the back four you know, knocking it out to the back four and we were playing from the back. Martin Taylor t- was bringing it out. Yeah. He, had a lot more, he had a lot more space. Yeah, but because I, th- I think they were mm. playing off us a little bit he had some space to, mm. to take it forward and that put them on the back foot and I think you know, I don't. apart from the
2: goal we didn't look in in any real trouble to me not at all yeah. I think you're right you're playing out from the back four I don't know if obviously they were playing sort of one up front really weren't they yeah. and we were coping that quite comfortably and as soon as Gil Martin got the ball the centre backs were were moving wide in a wide position to give themselves some space and the full backs were pushing up a bit more making that link between sort of defence and midfield and yeah there were times when we were sort of playing the, the longer ball up to Forsyth uh, big lad out on the wing but then we didn't just do that we, we were mixing just it up and playing it through the middle and um, Hogan, Usis, both comfortable on the ball. Yeah, it was definitely something, except Forsyth and Yates made a couple of runs each from deep. Um, yeah, it was, it was a good sort of variety in the football there.
0: This you know the, the team we're playing tonight, that Millwall. There wasn't a huge difference between them and Derby. be Forest, you know, they are a bunch of games which were almost one on one goal. Yeah. And there would be I... a lot of those games going this season. I think <laughs> I needed this game tonight. Yeah. Well, I needed this see be the Watford game tonight to know that hey, we could actually after seeing lots of could-haves and nice balls and all the rest of it and potential, yeah, yeah, yeah. they actually saw it through. And all of a sudden,
1: <laughs> my outlook on the on the season ahead is massively different. Yeah, definitely. And I think you make a good point. We've seen Forest, we've seen Derby, we've seen... Um, uh, I can't remember who else at home. Birmingham, Birmingham, Birmingham yeah. and West Ham. Apart from West Ham, and, and played me all tonight, but apart from West Ham, there's, n- there's no one that's mm. really looked outclassed us or look 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 that much better, yeah. and I think that's a real positive. But it was gonna, it was just frustrating if we ended the game tonight one nil again. With all those positives, mm. we needed to win, and I think we did that. And now we can move forward. And we haven't had the results, but no one's outclassed us, and we can move forward from that. And yeah. I think we should
2: take a lot of heart from that. Yeah, we- I, have to, I have to say I, I'm not impressed with the quality actually of the championship this year oh, so no. far. Only West Ham will look really good, and we've played. Birmingham and Forest already and they've got some quality players there but the, the, the quality of the football as a team both of them were, was
0: poor well, we're yet to play the teams that came up the two bigger teams who've done quite well the Brighton and Southampton and it's almost like you know, the, the big team that came down you know, they, they, haven't, they haven't got the standard that really you really thought they would have um, and, the, and the kind of bigger teams in the championship who did well at the end of last season, you know, Reading have been losing and not doing amazingly well. And the one tonight, just you know, those teams you had in your head that were going to be near the playoffs and stuff, yeah. aren't definitely
1: going to be there. Yeah, well, I think that's the championship, isn't it? It changes year on year. But it feels. Yeah.
0: I, I think I, my expectation were they were going to be a bit more. He's even, it's, it's the standards probably slipped
1: even more. Yeah, well, I think it's early days still. and I think At the end of the season, we'll probably see those teams in the shake up. To be to be fair, they've had a lot of change. But um, you know, hopefully we'll uh, we'll be pushing up that, that sort of end of the table as well. And I think tonight's a great platform to go to St Mary's on Saturday. Not scared, and right. um, you know they're going to be a, a,
2: it's going to be a tough game, but I'm, I'm confident. Keep our unbeaten away record going as well, can't <laughs> we? Dear, Absolutely. Yes.
0: Well, it's plain to go, but it's a good to have that feeling that we've won a game at home as well. At home. As well. <laughs> <laughs> OK, back to the pub. We're well, back to Saturday because it's Tuesday at the moment. We're going to go back to Saturday rely on the pub for the rest of the podcast.
3: From the rookery end.
0: We are six months into having Lawrence Bassini as our owner. Or as the Watford Observer called him on the front of their newspaper on Friday, he was the chairman apparently. Well, I still think Graham Taylor is. Uh, He's been, stuff has happened, things are going on we want to sort of say, hey six months let's have a word with some of the with the fans we went out at the last couple of home games we talked to the fans and got their opinions and, and this, is how, this is how the Watford fans are feeling about Lawrence Bassini as our owner
4: So far the new owner's done what he said he was going to do I mean we've got the signings <laughs> started on the red line, TV screens etc. So at the moment as far as the owner goes I'm pretty pleased. It's a bit early isn't it but uh, I'm quite happy at the moment from what he's done. Well, if it's all true what he said about the money it's impressed me that he's put money in. No one else has have they? I uh, still don't like him. I renewed my
5: season ticket I've been a season ticket holder for 31 years, 32 years. Disillusioned with what's running our club. Would Was was there a certain thing that made you not renew your season ticket? Yeah, it was, it was him, it was seen it. That's why I didn't. Why I didn't really, you know, if he'd if have been a bankrupt and kept his name, okay. I'd have been alright with that because I'm a bankrupt and I kept my name. I may be wrong and he may be a right solid bloke for the club, but at the moment we've got, it remains to be seen, doesn't it? And I would have rather had Graham Taylor and some consortium that he backed the hill. At the moment, he's given him his moniker under under his name, but anyone can have to walk pulled Dave their eyes, I did. A bit sceptical, I
2: think. A bit disappointed that, um, you know, they didn't resurface the pitch and um, have, have sort of, I think he has got plans for the main stand, hasn't he? But it'd be nice to sort of that's as a priority, really? So far, so
3: good, yeah. The pitch, it's a shame that it didn't get done this year, but um, on the playing side, we seem
4: to be bringing people in, which is good and positive, and um, the team isn't playing too badly. Yeah, he seems to be very good with his PR, but very quiet with what's actually happening. You know, sitting with the fans is great, so he's trying to get us all on side, but... What's the long-term vision? You know, they're going to rebuild the East Stand. Great news about the Red Lion. But what's happening in the next two, three years? We don't want to know about the next two or three months, really. I don't oh, oh, no, give the know. guy a chance. Yeah. I mean, he's yeah. he spent some money. He's uh, The most important thing is, is the team, isn't it? Yeah. Forget the ground. The no, no? no, you've got to get them both. You've got to it's get them both and the pitch next year stop selling the crown jewels oh but he hasn't sold any what's he sold Danny Graham Will Buckley Danny Graham was going to go anyway Malky Mackay £6 million thereabouts has come in yeah and we've spent bought 10 players what want you want? we've bought? spent less than a 6th of that probably do you think yeah Just clear a yes. bit of debt I like him. I, I like think it. he's a good guy. <laughs> I think he's a good guy. So uh, I just, I, I just want to see a little bit more long-term plan. He's not talking about the long term.
0: So, uh, Cross section of views there. Lots of positive, Jace. Lots of negative. Are those negative fans right to feel that way? Everyone's entitled to their
2: opinion, John. Absolutely. There, yeah, yeah. So they, if they feel negative, they can not feel negative. <laughs> For me, I am still sitting on the. Fence. A bit. There seems to be a lot of him trying to gain people's popularity now. I, I don't know. At the start, he sort of made these promises, and we didn't see too much delivery. Now we're seeing a little bit of delivery, but there just seems to be things happening where things that you can get gained quite quickly, should they be the priority. So we know things are happening with the, the Red Lion. Yeah. Is that the priority? Should... That be where the money's being spent, and yeah, we've got some players in it as well, which is which is good. Well, you promised seven players, and he, he got that in, and a, and a
0: little bit more, and he seems to be delivering on what he's promised the, the footballing side of things. Is that the right sort of?
2: Yeah, I don't, it's, it's it's hard to tell without knowing the exact finances behind it. Obviously, we know. Yeah. The money that's coming from Danny Graham, Buckley transfers, etc., um, and reduction in wages with Sadler and Elliotts finally being off the, the books for good. So, are we really? Has he really sort of put money into that, or is he just working off money that's that's already there? He clearly wants to be liked. <laughs> that's what I'm getting. Well, apparently at so he's going sitting. And, in and things are happening, but yeah, that's the other thing. He's he's, he's doing that. Brave, stupid. Again, just—is it just a, a popularity thing? I—I I, I, I still. Uh... I don't want to be negative about it but equally I'm not sort of jumping up and down going what a lovely guy. Andy, how are you feeling?
1: Yeah, I, I'm not sure I mean, uh, similarly sort of sitting on the fence a bit like um, Jace but, uh, you know, like Jace mentioned brought players in which is positive we needed to um, it's allowed us to send younger players out on loan that perhaps we thought might have been involved this year, but yeah, I, I don't really understand the sitting with the fans and all this sort of stuff and the sort of pictures on Facebook of him sitting you know cheering goals and stuff like that it, it does seem a bit of a forced it, it, I think so a little bit it looks a little bit fa- I mean in the on the picture in Facebook uh, Mike pointed it out to me actually um, it looks like he's superimposed actually in the, in the crowd at Barnsley but uh, I'm sure it's I'm sure it's not but uh, uh, you know I, I just don't really get that sort of thing and I'm, I'm just a bit suspicious about him I think he's got a lot of people doing a lot of talking for him and he's not not doing a great amount of talking himself so what about the things he's, he's delivered on are you, are you happy with the
0: Things so far. Uh, well, what is that we've got?
2: Players,
1: players. Red line apparently going to be opening. Doesn't really. You know, I don't think that. I think, it, I think. it's a good thing in, in the long run, but um, you know, yeah, immediately, I don't think it's a, a, a,
5: a, a,
1: a, a great thing. I mean, sat in the rookery, we look at those concrete blocks every week. Um, you know, at least paint painted. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, he's done some bits and Bobs and I think, you know, we've got to we've got to remain positive and we've got to give the guy a chance, definitely. But there's just a, a, a little bit of me that just is not convinced yet that he is in it necessarily for Watford Football Club. He keeps
0: saying that. For me, the phrase he keeps saying is he's, he keeps saying he's here for good. And the thing is, don't don't keep saying it. Just stay here for good and understand that fans will be, you know, skeptical about you
5: for for a while. No that's one, one is ever here right. for good. Uh, so no, that's, yeah. that's a bad start. Um, I think that's the, the one thing that, he, that struck me about Lawrence Bassini so far is that uh, he was in a short list of one when it came to taking over the club. There wasn't a great deal of other interest. That stood up to scrutiny. So, Watford were in a position where, you know, beggars couldn't be choos- couldn't be choosers. They didn't really have any choice about. So we are in this situation. We have this new owner. What I think is very unfortunate is that he didn't come in straight away with absolute transparency mm. spell out who he is what what's behind him what's backing him up what he's got to offer why he's doing it and, and that is the biggest question for me why does anyone want to own a mostly unsuccessful football club and I don't mean that in terms of what happens on the pitch I mean that in terms of a financial business a mostly unsuccessful football club that has lost money like it's going out of fashion for the last 10 years in fact the only time we've actually accumulated any money, the regimes have squandered it again in double quick time. So what what is he really in it for? And until supporters know the answer to that question, we can't judge any of his decisions. Because one person will say, doing up the red line is a great idea. Somebody else will say, well, that's making it into a saleable asset. So, which is benefiting what for football club the most? And you could look at that in every single situation. Obviously, on the pitch is what counts to all of us more than anything else. Yeah, it's a pain looking out of the main stand and seeing a building site having the southwest corner looking like something that's just arrived off the back of a trolley or off the back of a lorry. Sorry, um, isn't ideal. There are lots and lots of little problems that he can and is sort of slowly trying to put right
0: probably
5: am <laughs> <But everything. laughs> A successful team on the pitch will hide a multitude of sins behind the scenes. So if we stay up and if we stay up well, then nobody will be keep, nobody will be asking too many difficult questions of Lawrence Bassini. But I think the time to ask questions is now when we're not in a sort of situation of perilous danger. If we're in the bottom three this year, next year or the year after and suddenly turn around then and say, Well, you know, what's going on here? Who is this guy, Bassini out, Bassini out? That's too late. We've been down that road before. We've been in that situation before we've allowed owners to come in say all the right things um, and I don't even think Bassini's quite done that because I don't think he's been open enough with the local press or with the fans, he's cancelled meetings with the supporters trust, he's not attended fans forums or not held fans forums, I think until he starts doing those things then we should reserve our unconditional support for him and his regime so it's not just about what he's doing in terms of spending money on players or tightening up bits of the ground or redoing the pub it's about what is his fundamental reason for being involved in what for football club and that is what interests me and I don't know the answer to that so until we do I think we should just kind of keep a watching brief on what he's doing and look out for the warning signs look out for the warning signs from the Petsch era look out for the warning signs from the Graham Simpson era and if any of those things start happening again be on it a lot quicker than we have been in the past I Watch
0: those Channel Four documentaries on weird football transactions in the uh, in the Middle East and go. Are we that far away from those sorts of people? Vote is we're, he that sort of person? Mentioned. I don't know anything about
1: him to know no. if he isn't involved with them. We were mentioned on that program. It dispatches on mm-hmm. that. Uh, rang alarm bells with me. You know, oh, we were going to buy Watford, but uh, you know, it fell through. And that was worrying times. And that was just after the senior had come in as well. And it's like, ooh hmm, what's this all about? And you know, what they were talking about in terms of, you know, buy cheap but half decent players. Um, you know, try and get promoted on the cheap, and, and then flog it. Um, what's he need to do then? Come on, if, we were, if we
0: were sat around trying to to help him actually sort this club out. What is it? Do exactly what Lionel
5: said. I think so. Yeah, I think Lionel made a very, very good point. Football's changed an awful lot in the time I've been watching it. I mean, we were very, very fortunate. I came, when I first came along to support a club owned by Elton John, and I, you know, a rock star millionaire who absolutely had a passion for the club, and then when he went and we had Jack Petchie, who arguably one of the most successful businessmen in this country, reportedly even wealthier than Elton John, yet ran the club, literally on a, you know, it it was run to make a tiny profit. It was not run to... You know, gamble on some kind of success, and you could argue that had had Jack Petchy gambled in the early nineties, and we'd made it into the Premier League when that was first yeah, set timing, up, everything. the clubs, the club could have been, everything could have been completely different. Then you have uh, when Petchy went, and the Roomy, Virgie, Hagen and you know they came in, and you know it looked like a sort of glorification project for them. You know, I remember them walking around the pitch clapping. Um, you know what they were clapping, I don't know, but it was clear that you know El- Elton had put this concern him together, so that he could be involved again, but without the day-to-day yeah. um, or even week-to-week, you know, need to be there running the club. That, that, who, where are they now? You know, Rumi Virgie was out after about six or seven months. You know, Hagen and Nigel Ray was involved with and He was in, in, involved at some point. You know, the, the, you can name lots of very successful people in other businesses. Brian Anderson being one came in. You know, Graham Simpson was a very successful businessman, um, but. Yeah, works, we knew a little, little five bit five about hours. who they were, a little bit about who they were, what they were doing, and, th- and by and large, their um, their aims and their uh, what they were trying to do was up front. We knew what they, we knew who they were, we knew what they were trying to do. It went perhaps a little awry under the Graham Simpson era, um, and my concern with Bassini is that. It, you know, the first thing Watford fans did, I'm sure, when they heard the, heard the name, was Google it. Who is this guy? You know, we don't know anything about him. We don't know anything about his background. We don't know how he's come to be in the position he's in. So how can we judge? And if if, if there's no if there's no issue with the supporters knowing all the answer to all those questions, then he should meet the supporters. He should make himself available for a fans forum and explain why he is involved and I do think that the first question for anyone who owns a football club is why I said before is that, you know why do you want to own a business that loses money is in debt and continues to lose money and has no visible means of making money at any time in the short term. If you went to Dragons' terms. Den
0: and want an investment in it, they, would, they wouldn't even last <laughs> yeah. 30 seconds. Well, but well, Football isn't a good business. It isn't a good business.
5: But I don't think there's many Watford fans out there who are expecting somebody to come in and suddenly we're spending eight, ten million pounds on players. I mean, that's just not what we are, not what we should aspire to no, 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 be no, no one, no. But what we, what we do want is to be able to look at ourselves and say, we know what we are, we know what we stand for, and we know what we believe in. And at the moment... I think we've taken a step backwards from where we were with, with Julian Winter and Graham mm. Taylor running things. And I can't speak for Graham Taylor, obviously. Nobody can. But he hasn't said anything for months about Watford Football Club. Yeah, to right. me, that, it's, not that it, it's not that that rings alarm bells. It's not that we need Graham Taylor's approval for anything to happen at Watford Football Club. But mm. the fact that he is the chairman but has taken such a public step back. That, to me, Says is, means that Bassini needs to step forward into that void and start answering the questions that Graham Taylor and Julian Winter would perfectly happily have answered a year ago.
0: You seem to sum up everything and all the worries that Wopper fans have there, Lionel. Here's hoping for some answers, hey? <laughs>
3: Read the musings and ramblings on the podcast blog at fromtherookeryend.com. The following show features stunts performed by professionals or under supervision of professionals. Accordingly, from the rookery end and the producers must insist that no one attempts to recreate or reenact any stunts or activities performed on this show. Hello there! I'm Mark Yates. And I'm Carl Dickinson. And this is. Watford Ass! Let me tell you, I am pumped for this one. I will take anything on. Well, Yatesy, you're going to have two belt sanders taped to your feet. You'll whiz down the corridor and have to jump over a paddling pool. If you do, great. If not, then you'll be in there with the crocodiles. But it's not over then. You have to get out and run down the rest of the corridor whilst the used team throws stomach bile at you. Make sure you don't slip. Don't worry about me. I'll take it on. I'm Mark Yates, and this game is Crocobile. He's off oh. up to a good speed oh. and here oh. comes the paddling pool. Oh, oh no. that's going to be snappy. Yeah. Go on Yatesy! Here comes the bile. Oh, dearie <laughs> me, that's not pretty. I'm going to be sick. <laughs> oh, and here sword. comes the guitar amp stack. Oh. <sighs> <sighs> but Jesus, you didn't tell me there was going to be an amp stack there at the end. I know. That way this bit is called Crocodile rocks. I don't understand why you're laughing. Stop laughing at Hold on a second. Crocodile rocks. Oh, yeah! Oh, that's so funny, Got something to send the boys? Then email podcast at fromtherookeryend.com.
1: Here it
2: is, a collection of historic and intriguing items, the Define Watford Football Club. Oh, it's Watford in 100 objects! We continue our search for 100 objects that Define Watford Football Club. So far, we've had Pierre-Ese's stretcher, my knitted Wilf Rostron, cardboard Andy, John's junior Hornets' membership card, and Overcoat truck, Cali's decks a square programme and tight red shorts just like the generation game this is
0: <laughs> can you remember them all uh, this month we're going to put in one of the most suggested items that we've had ever since we put it out there we've had so many suggestions for this one. First one came from Richard who sits next to me in the Rickery end it's the first thing that came to mind for him and we thought we'd never find it we thought it'd be an object that we would talk about and reminisce about and love but we've managed to track it down apparently it's moved around a little bit since it was taken from its position but Sarah Priestley from the Watford Museum got in contact and let us meet a very special object. So where, where's the Reserve clock? Oh, yeah, I'll take a
2: guess at
5: that. That's point. it there. It would be the big <clears throat> hunk of um, scrap metal-looking thing. OK, so where, where are we? We're in the archaeology store at Watford Museum. The Watford Observer Clock doesn't count as archaeology. However, because of its large size, it doesn't actually fit into one of our object stores in the museum store. So this is our secret hideout for other objects. We've had it... For nearly 10 years now but it was it's kind of moved around the various different okay. stores we got a phone call from some football fans to say that it was actually bound behind the back of the rookery some people from Watford Football Club checked it out for us and found it and we were able to borrow it for football exhibitions we had here except Paddy Flavin who was the groundsman at the time wasn't too keen on it returning so we've kind of kept it down here for safekeeping for the time being it's not officially ours though we're just right. custodians for the time being
0: Right, let's get it. Let's have a look at them. So, Lana, you used, to, you used to work at the at the Watford Observer. Was it was it a proud thing to have that
5: clock? It was. I mean, uh, the the link between the paper and the club goes back to the days when there was an evening paper in Watford as well. So there was a the big competition between, I think, the Echo it was called, yeah, and and okay. uh, and the, and then there was a, the Watford Observer. The two papers were vying for supremacy, I guess, um, to be seen as the place to read all the Watford news. And, uh, you know, one paper would have a column with the manager, the other would have the column with the next manager, as, you know, the sort of relationships between the journalists and the club, kind of, as they always do, you know, ebb and flow, you get mm. them with certain people and not with others. And I think the Watford Observer came up with the idea of if they had put up a big clock, they would basically win the, the battle of the uh, the battle of the newspapers. And, and the big clock stayed up there until they pulled down the, the old rookery terrace. Well, it,
0: for me, it was just, when I first started going to Watford in eighty six. There was, the, there was the old um, scoreboard which had one clock that told you where in the game things were and at the other end you knew what time day it was. You knew, did the, did the game kick off late, were they late after half-time, all those sorts of things. And it was something you looked at and I think probably most people have went to that game, apart from the people in the Ripper Inn who couldn't see it, that's the thing that you'd always look at. It was a very special object in the ground. I think
5: I remember when first going to away matches with my dad and looking around, you know, when you first see somebody else's ground, the little things that you assume every club is going to have, a big scoreboard, and where's their local papers clock? You know? like, what's going on here? You know, how come the Tottenham Bugle haven't got a big clock at White Hart Lane or, or whatever it was? Um, it was something that sort of had a, a, a bit of character, and I know that the players, um, used, you know, if you ever hit the O um, with a shot, <laughs> Down at the rookery end you know there was some kind of punishment in training and uh, Les Taylor um, a midfielder who uh, you know sometimes sent his shots quite a long way over the bar I think he was uh, lapping the pitch on some Monday morning training as
0: punishment but it is still out there it is still around but it was taken down from the from the bookery end. And Lionel, you said that when you were at the Watford Observer, it was it was there for a while.
5: It was. I mean, I don't know whether anyone knew what to do with it once they took it down off the stand. Um, it went back to the paper. Uh, I remember for at least a couple of years, it used to it's, it was in one corner of the smoking room. I mean, I didn't smoke, but I saw it in there. And uh, there was one day when we hatched a plot to um, try and pinch it, but we just couldn't get it in. Anybody's, we all had tiny little cars in those days. We couldn't get it in the boot. We couldn't. Lift it and carry it easily, um, and we thought we might get rumbled. You know, I didn't really know what to do with it. I mean, it would make a, a very nice outdoor garden table. It would be amazing. Heaven, yeah, yeah, it's, 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 it's almost two thing.
0: meters wide, but a meter and a half two metres wide um, it took Jason and I quite a thing it's quite a heavy thing to move it out just to have our photograph taken with it which you can see on from the on Um but uh, it was it was. I got really excited like it was Christmas when I saw it <laughs> yeah. when we actually went and touched it and could have our, our photograph taken with it
2: Yeah, so you could probably show that to any sort of non-Watford supporting person and they'd probably just sort of shrug their shoulders and go so what but to us when we saw it it was a magical moment wasn't yeah. it John?
0: and that's, that's some of the, more, the type of objects we want to find the objects that actually only mean something to Watford fans
1: they're the item that we want in our list of 100 objects well lots of lots of the objects being uh, suggested are related to a player Um, Ian Grant from Be Happy came up with uh, putting Steve Palmer's bong into the list. Which, of course, is uh, from the song. <laughs> There's only one Steve Palmer and he smokes marijuana
0: Walking along, smoking a bong Walking <laughs> in a Palmer
1: wonderland Beautiful, isn't it? I <laughs> <Yeah, we do. laughs> I'm
5: not sure he did actually smoke no, marijuana. Philippe,
1: no, no it probably <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. We I mean, okay. have to mention that, don't we? Yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. I think that was his uh, his university connection where a lot of people assumed yeah. that because <laughs> he was a student <laughs> once by <laughs> <at laughs> a <point laughs> <of> time... <laughs> <laughs> Again for legal purposes
1: <laughs> Sorry Steve, I know it's not true. Of course this was never a real object, but whether they are real or not, it doesn't matter in this list. When From the Rookie End met Steve at the London Masters event in July, John put the idea to him.
0: And it's one thing that someone suggested to us was to, to induct Steve Palmer's bond. The, you know, the, the old
4: charm when you heard that sort of a charm coming across how what was your reaction when you first heard that? I think it was just a bit of fun it was all good natured um, you know I needed something to rhyme with my name <laughs> and um, you know I took it in good heart there was one uh, I, I'm blind desperate and stupid it was the, or whatever it was it was a fanzine and I remember it was a game at, at Southampton and I was obviously running up and down in my usual sort of F and got a bit near tired near the end the headline was, smoke up, runs out of puff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought that was very good. So. Yeah, I did, right. And if we asked you to put one object
6: in, apart from your bombing into 100 yeah. objects, you could put, with it 14 or 15 to say, shirts, in? shirts in? I put the shirts in, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> How many different numbers was it you wore that season? I think it was 1 to 15, it was 15. in
0: those days. Yeah. At what, what point of the season did you go, well, at some point you're going to have to go in goal? Was there a point
4: that season? Oh, well, it wasn't me that sort yeah. of had that thing, but it was... Four or five games from the end, I think people on to it, and Graham was very much up for that sort of thing. It so. was quite brave, because there was still the title riding on that game, weren't there? The Bournemouth game. Yeah, yeah. yeah was, I think we got promoted that night, even possibly, it? Uh, no, yeah, but yeah, it was quite yeah, important for us. So. up, I think we sat to, yeah, yeah. to win. It was quite well yeah. contrived for circumstances. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Was that a helping hand from the opposition then? It, it was a range that we'd have for kick off and we'd be able to stand. the stand. Okay. But the question is, who will look more out of place, me in goal or Alex at centre half?
0: So if Steve wants his fourteen shirts to go in, then we're going to put them in instead of his make believe bonk. If you want to hear the full interview we did with Steve and the rest of the for Masters team, then head over to iTunes or to our pod archive on fromtherickland.com. It's a feat that no-one's ever going to be able to beat. Again, now we live in the world of, of squad numbers. It was two seasons before uh, squad numbers came in in the Football League. So the chance of someone wearing all 14 shirts or even wearing two different number shirts is never going to happen again in football. So a very, very special object. But now we put a shirt in, it means that no more football shirts can go into the list. As the rule is, you can only put one type of every item in. So no more football shirts can go in. We've just made our jobs a little bit tougher. No, it's always been a rule. Always been a rule. Next one comes from a classic game. In, from 1980, and Watford beat Southampton 7 1 in the League Cup. And I'm guessing, Lionel, this
5: game features in your new book? It certainly does, yes. Um, there are 100 of Watford's greatest wins in the book and uh, I don't want to give away where it features in the uh, in the chart but it is pretty high up there, as you would imagine. Mm. For those who are n- perhaps not familiar with what happened, Watford lost the first leg to Southampton who were in the first division, that's the Premier League for anyone uh, born in about <laughs> after about 1985. Um, they lost 4-0 in the first leg and then... Basically, the game was dead, the tie was dead, Watford were out. Um, But Graham Taylor, he uh, basically wanted his players to not give up, not uh, admit defeat. Obviously, it was going to be a long shot to actually get through, but he wanted them to go out, win the game, and the, the reasoning being was that if it was a league match, you'd have lost the away game won the home game on as even and he, his view was that if they could get to 2-0 then perhaps they could get to 3 and if they could get to 3 perhaps they could get to 4 and so on and that was the kind of belief of the manager and the squad at the time um, and he did say that on the morning of the game he was filling his car up at a petrol station and a, a young boy asked him uh, what he thought the score would be, and Graham apparently said to the boy, "I think it'll be seven-one." <laughs> <Which, laughs> he didn't tell me that in the interview for the for the books. That was actually in the Watford Observer the week after the game had happened. So, you know, he he clearly something was in the back of his mind that he thought there might be a chance and of course once things got going it absolutely snowballed and they, they did win 7-1 absolutely did he, extraordinary did he have a 10 on it at all? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he did no I, I, I I filled out the car 10 <laughs> short <laughs> went down the bookies correct score <laughs> and, and first goal score as well I mean he'd have been quids in probably <laughs> yeah. could have, he
0: could have, won, have <laughs> yeah. well, why, why is that game though I mean it is, it's just a League Cup first round game why do you reckon that's a significant game for, for, for Watford fans?
5: just look at the scoreline I mean if we beat a Premier League side now even one that was sort of in the middle somewhere 7-1 having lost the first leg 4-0 away I mean it would be it was at the time the story that dominated the week in, in football you know it was absolutely extraordinary um, we, would, we would pretty much kill for a, for a result like that now wouldn't we I yeah, mean, yeah, to, so totally against the odds nobody could have predicted that that was going to happen you, you, the, the fans went the majority of them went because it was an all ticket game and the tickets had gone on sale before the first leg ah, Okay. so you know, people were people locked in to going you wonder what the crowd would have been had it been sort of pay on the night or whatever you know, there may well have only been sort of six or eight thousand who would bothered to go, but as it turned out, you know, it, it is one of the most extraordinary results in the club's history. Especially because again, the tie,
1: well, it, you know, in today's game, the tie would be over at four 0 I mean, wouldn't it really? Or three, three, it was four 0 wasn't it? Four nil, four 0 yeah. So you know, it's, it, to come back and
2: win that seven-one mm. is remarkable. Yeah, Southampton were a strong side at the time mm. as well. I mean, they were. I don't know if they qualified for UEFA for Cups around the era but certainly the early 80s team were very, very strong finishing high up in the first vision. They weren't sort of just a,
5: maybe the strugglers that people might perceive them to be. They were, yeah. they were a good side. Well, Kevin Keegan played for Southampton in the first mm. leg and as we were, we were saying before he came on air here Southampton didn't put him in the team for the second game and uh, there was some debate at the time whether or not Laurie McMenamy, their manager, rested him or as he did as he said afterwards he kinda of cooked up a oh well Kevin Keegan was injured. I think probably to spare himself a bit of flack because he did play play he rested one or two. I mean it wasn't like a it wasn't like you see Man United in the League Cup now playing yeah. teenagers and people with squad numbers higher than their age or twice their age rather. <laughs> um, it was a strong Southampton team and you know, you can't win the first leg and then lose yeah. the tie. You know, That's that shouldn't it. happen. Mm-hmm. So what objects for that game did the did fans come up with? It's got to be the seven-one pen. I mean, that is the innocence of the age. Isn't it? Yes. <laughs> you know, now, what would, what would, if you had a result like that, what would be the marketing strategy? It'd probably be a T-shirt, but, we, in that, but yeah, and DVDs know, as well. It would be yeah. DVDs, yeah, of course. But I mean, to to uh, whoever it was in the marketing department in the morning <laughs> after that, I've had an idea. Uh, let's get on to the pen manufacturer. Probably sort of two weeks later, uh, sort of two thousand pens turned up, and uh, I, I don't know if I any. Of you have actually got one, or no, I don't. I do know someone who had one, someone I worked with at the Watford Observer had one, and he kept changing the uh, you know, the, the bit in the middle with the actual ink in yeah, it. Yeah. Take that out of a regular biro and put it in to keep it going. Um, I don't know whether the pen still exists, but uh, there must be one or two knocking about. There's got to be someone's got one. Yeah. I take it, there's a bit more
1: advanced yeah. than a Bic with a sticky label it in it <laughs> a,
5: Yeah, it was a kind of you know, push button one. Yeah,
0: a mechanism So that must be one of the games in your in your new book of 100 great Wins. What other, I think, object we've had suggested so far for our list always come from the obvious, not obvious, the, the big. Easy to remember games like the FA Cup final. We had so many objects suggested for that, and we'll we'll get to a special episode, I think, for all the eighty-four objects that go with it. Can you think of some of maybe the the, the lesser thought of games that like maybe we need to find some items for? We need to, we can't not put them in this l- historic list that we're trying to put together.
5: The objects need to be something that embodies a particular game or a particular mm. era for a very Watford specific reason. Um, I mean, just to run through some of the matches that feature fairly high up in, in the list obviously all of the big games from the 80s um, are in there without um, without doubt but I think some of the more fascinating matches are the ones that happen during perhaps not quite so glorious times. Mm-hmm. So in the uh, early to mid 90s, you know, when we would come out of the top division and we're just kind of treading water in the division we're in now, which back then was called Division Two and then it became Division One. Now it's the Championship. Just to <laughs> confuse matters, um, there was a match against Oxford in 1991 um, away, where Watford had to win to stay up. Um, and I think, I mean, the, the, I don't know what the capacity of the terrace at the Manor Ground was, but it was absolutely rammed that day. I don't know if you were there, Jason. No, I mean, I, it was, and it was. Just one of those games where everything seemed to hinge on uh, you know on this one result. If Watford won, they would definitely be safe. Uh, they still have one more game to try and save themselves, but there must be something relating to a game like that, or perhaps a League Cup win over Leeds in 1992. Yeah, Leeds were League champions. They had Eric Cantona, Gordon Strachan, Gary McAllister, um, and we knocked them out of the League Cup. Um, you know, at the time when the team wasn't doing a great deal in the league, results like that really made a season. Yes, yeah, definitely. Um, that was a great game as well. That was, yeah, yeah, and yeah, Andy, as, great experience. as you were mentioning, um, there was that succession of relegation battles in the mid-90s, yeah, yeah. and we had the 4-3 win over Bolton, where we were 3-0 down, and Gary Ford scored that, uh, scored a hat-trick in about 20 minutes, yeah. won 4-3 at Peterborough, yeah, when okay, literally everything thing. hinged on that. Yeah. There must be something Watford-related, an and object, I'm not... I struggling to actually... It might
0: not be. It might just be an object. So if you went to those games, it might be an object that's special to that day. Maybe it was, you know, it was a rainy day, you brought an umbrella on the way to the game, that's the object we stick in. It doesn't have to be necessarily... Objects that have to be related to the pitch, or what actually happens on the pitch, as in a, sh- pair a shirt or a pair of shorts or a pair of football boots. It's something that maybe relates a fan's time at that game to... Their yeah, to, to love for it and their, their memories of it. So it could be absolutely anything through the game. So if you at those games, you've got an idea, then make sure you send us an email: podcast at fromtherookeryend.com dot com. Check out the blog every Friday where we have we released another object on our list. Up to eleven so far, so we've still got a very long way to go.
5: Does the object have to exist? No. Ah. No. In that case, I'd like to propose um, <laughs> the, the boot J- um, Gerard Lavin scored that goal against Peterborough with. I mean, it was. Uh, from about, well, it was probably only about 25 or 30 yards, but in my mind it was from 75, yards. <laughs> <laughs> and it just flew. I mean, the the pitch at Peterborough that night was horrendous. It yeah. was bobbly and hard. It was one of those kind of, if I'm right in thinking, it was sort of April time. Um, both teams were absolutely in the mire. Yeah. Um, we had to win that game to stay up. We went behind very early on, and then it was an awful, awful game of football. Yeah, I yeah, you know, it I think messy. I wrote in the book that uh, it was it was a sort of circus performance of a game. You know, if, if a car had driven onto the pitch and the doors had fallen off, and then you know there'd been an explosion, <laughs> you wouldn't have been surprised. <laughs> it was, it was that terrible? But there was this one moment of absolute genius from Gerard Lavin, and I never thought I'd say. Those words in that <laughs> <laughs> But he struck this shot and I was on that terrace and I can just remember thinking that's in as soon as he's hit it. Like I say, from 75 or 80 yards. <laughs> um, and I, I'm not sure whether that put us back in the lead or whether it got us level, but it was one it's of those days where it just, it just blur, went yeah. back and forth. Up and we won 4-3 yeah. we went on and stayed up. Mm. So Gerard Lavin's boot... Maybe, R- maybe it's in the back of his cupboard somewhere. <laughs>
3: <laughs> a podcast made by Watford fans, fans. For Watford fans. From the rookery end.
0: We saw the big man score the goal. That put us back in this game. I love the fact Carl Dickinson comes on and you watch him for every single game. He goes into that bottom corner and he gives a good old fish pump. Love that. The passion. Robbo is basically. amazing. Yeah. He's right. the, the latest Robbo. Uh, and you can't be, you know, a lover and defender. Now, Jace, we got to catch up with him with Mike. Um, a few weeks back at Vicarage Road.
1: Who's Mike again? I don't remember. <laughs>
0: but, or, I think Mike got obsessed with wanting to make sure that Carl Dickinson was a proper hard man. <laughs> if you listen to this interview, Mike seems almost obsessed with making sure Carl <laughs> is hard.
2: As if there was ever any doubt. No. Were you always a left-back?
7: No. no. I went to Derby when I was younger as a striker. Okay, uh, and then the slower I got them further <laughs> um, Goalkeeper coming up soon maybe? <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe yeah I think because they were short of left footed players put me there and then I, from then I just carried on playing there
6: it, it feels to me certainly as a Watford fan that there isn't that many left backs in the game does, no. it, does it feel like a bit of a bit of a club?
7: I don't know really I've never really thought about that much to be honest Obviously I think I'm lucky to be left footed because as you say there's not that many left footed Fullbacks around, really. I mean, I think Watford have struggled with left backs, so from what I've been hearing. But no, like I say, I'm just happy that you know I can be somewhere I can play football and you know be happy. In in a game, you kind of do go up and you kind of give us. Yeah, it's just no, that's just something I've always done, no matter where I've been at, just to get the fans going and get them. You know, because we hear them, and it does it like. It does, you know, make people react to it. So that's what I do, just to get the fans a bit wound up, a bit on, a bit on edge. And
2: it, it does, it filters through. Excellent. And also at the end of the games, you stay out and applaud all the fans. Yeah. And obviously, they really appreciate that. Is that something you've always done? Yeah, I've watched? always done that. They
7: pay their money to come and watch. It's only right that we thank them after a game. At the end of the game, we know you, you, you
0: took your shirt off and you gave it there, and you've got quite a few tattoos on you. Yeah, I have, yeah. <laughs>
7: You've got one that goes all the way down your back. Couldn't, yeah, one is, that's what is a it? poem about my dad. My dad passed away four years ago this year, so it's just a poem about me remembering him, basically. Is it one, one that you wrote? Yeah, I found it on the internet, but okay. then I rewrote it for me, kind of thing. So no, no plans
6: for any more at the moment? Perhaps a Watford badge? Oh, no, <laughs> yeah, <we're a> <laughs> nah, maybe not a Watford
7: badge. But, yeah, I think a few more should be coming along. And how have you found it at Watford so far? I've loved it. I've loved it and um, settled in quite quickly i think we've got a great set of lads here the manager and the coaching staff are, are really good obviously i know ian won from last season he was one of the factors of me joining here along with you know big chris and eusty that i knew obviously from stoke but no, I'm, I'm i'm really enjoying it like i say i'm somewhere where i can just keep my head down now work as hard as i can and hopefully put the performances in what about your, your, your heroes who were your heroes when you were growing up Stuart pierce yeah for me he's he's my idol the passion and commitment that he put into every game, something that I've tried to put into my game and I think I'm passionate and I show that I'm committed. Um, Stuart Pierce was a pretty tough guy
6: and from what we've seen of you so far it seems that you're not uh, scared of putting in a challenge or, th- or two. Is that side of things, you know, the whole fist-pumping and the, you know, the, the, the big challenge, is, there that, is, that, is there, I mean moving away from that in, in football at the moment, or is it
7: still there? I hope not, because uh, for me personally, I think that's what represents English football. For me personally, when people are pumped up, ready for a game, I think that's what it should all be about. I don't think we should go away from that, because we're a passionate country, we're passionate about our football. For me personally, I'm never going to go away from it, because that's what I am. Just being a tough Left back getting
0: into trouble where because because um, because they just you know referees get a little bit soft and they get told to you know
7: clamp down on things. Has it caused, I can don't it cause Well I mean, I've only ever been sent off once in my career. I mean, I probably should have been sent off a couple more times. <laughs> but, you know, like I say, I, I'm I'm not going to change the way I play. Mm-hmm. I'm a defender, my job's to defend, and if it means me chucking a tackle, and then that's what I'm going to okay. do. You know, I mean, we... that, that's absolute
6: music to, to my ears, and I'm sure fellow supporters listening, they, they love nothing more than seeing someone, blood and guts, you know, getting in there, yeah. making sure, do it, when they're on the pitch, making it count. We love that. One of the things we hate as football sports is diving and simulation, all that sort of stuff. As a defender, yeah, how do horrible. you feel about that? <laughs> the, th-
7: the thing is, you can argue it both ways. I mean, if somebody does it for your team, I mean, but when... It's always the same thing. If it's done to you, you hate it. But if someone does it and you win a game, then win, win it. But you when know, It must happen to you at, at certain points. How do you get how, oh,
6: how to it? I hate
7: it. hate it. winds me up. What players
6: <laughs> the pleasure. You, they give you a wink and a nudge. No, nah,
7: sometimes I'll just you know give them a little wink and i go, yeah, yeah. And then I'll let them with a tackle about five minutes. Later. <laughs> so you, give, you give them a kick back afterwards. No, I'll just let them know that every time they get the ball, I'm going to be breathing down the that. What, what can we do about it? What can the what can because it- I don't think you can do anything about it now. I think thing- it's got to the stage where refs, are, every single referees, you know, did told to look out for it. But I mean, sometimes you. You see something and you think, oh, that is a foul. And now people go, no, it's definite dive and stuff. You, mm. I, you, you can't get away from it now, I don't think. Do you have a quiet word in the ref's ear when you, when you see a dive just to let him know that he's missed oh, one? Yeah, all the time. <laughs> all the time. You have to try and get the referee on your side.
6: <laughs> I mean, the frustrating thing is players know that you're going to see it. It's every game is on telly now. Yeah. Most games yeah. have got two or three angles. You're going to see it and yet still... Yeah, I hesitating. think
7: we were told something last year at, uh, or a few years ago at Stoke um, for a championship game there's something like six or seven cameras at a live game, whereas in the Premier League there's 22 cameras that show everything at a live game. You can't like you can't miss anything now. I mean everything's that publicised about everything. Um, but no, I mean like you say, people could argue that tackling's gone out of the game because of diving. You know I mean, but like, it's always going to happen. I think, especially with the foreign influences in in the game now, but. Don't know. I honestly don't know how you get around it. I honestly don't. Have you had a, a favourite tackle in your career? Favourite tackle?
6: Oh, wow.
5: Yeah,
7: I can think of one. Go on. It was uh, on my first full debut for Stoke. I played Sheffield United. And they had a uh, big Craig Short, a centre-half. And he's gone on a dribble through the thing and he's getting to the edge of the box. And I've come running over it towards the centre. And uh, I've really like gone for him, but one that good tackle and everything, and uh, he stood up and looked at me and said, "Don't do that again." <laughs> <laughs> and I just ran off to get the ball for a throw-in. <laughs> I, think, I think that was my favourite tackle. I can't. I'm sure there's a few more that I'd be happy with. What is the
6: best tackle? Getting the ball, but getting a bit of the man as well, letting him know you're there. Yeah, always. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Love it. Love it. when you grab a match day programme check out the From the Rookery End column
0: we are another, another end of a podcast another end of a month of Watford football um, and we're, fin- we're finishing on a high after that win against Millwall thank you uh, for listening thank you for downloading uh, also thanks to Lionel Burney for uh, spending some time with us in the pub and uh, his amazing information and knowledge that he has about the history of Watford um, we'll be back next month with an interview with Craig Forsyth Uh, who was a great lad to meet but people can stay in touch jason what's the best way to recommend to stay in touch with us and to give us their views
2: well one way they can do it john is by contacting us on twitter there's rookery john that's j-o-n yes there's rookery mike that's m-i-k-e but i guess you knew that (laughs) and i'm still not conforming i'm jace bailey that's j-a-s-b-a-i-l-e-y got that Good. We got it. Brilliant. Uh, and
0: uh, also, if you're on Facebook... Uh, Andy, are you on Facebook? I am, actually. Yes. Okay. And uh, how, can get,
1: how, how can you get How uh, can From the Rookery End on Facebook? On the book of face, you can go to uh, facebook.com forward slash end. From the Rookery End. No, just Rookery End. Just, just
0: Rookery End. Sorry. Also, make sure you check out the blog, fromtherookeryend.com. And uh, we've got our Friday blogs about the latest object in Watford in 100 objects. And also... Uh, Monday blogs about, well, some sort of rambling and musing about Watford and football somewhere along. Who knows? The, who knows what will come who up knows what will come in up. the next few weeks. Uh, thanks again for listening. Downloaded us make, and you don't subscribe via iTunes, make sure you subscribe. It makes it much easier. It comes straight to you uh, into your iTunes. And remember, you can always get in contact. What's the email address, Jason? Email address is podcast at from the
1: I'm more positive about the season to go ahead. Andy, how are you feeling? Yeah, much more positive after tonight. We needed to see that home win, but looking forward to Saturday and the rest of the season. Jason,
2: the pessimist isn't here. Mike's he not here, is he? so let's go off with a massive high. How are you feeling about the rest of the season, Jason? <laughs> it's early to say, but I'm feeling good at the moment. Yeah, let's say I'm feeling good at the moment. It's nice to get that. First win at home under our belts, and let's hope the guys kick on from here. I could hear Mike's
1: screams from <laughs> Lime all the way from the Lyme Regis, with <laughs> that that Millwall girl going in, to be But uh, <laughs> he, uh, he must be positive right now. We'll be back for more from the rookie End
0: in another month. Come on, yawns. Come on, Yorns!